Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today, we'll be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 3, Episode 21, titled Sozin's Comet Part 4, Avatar Aang. The series finale! It is... It's done. This is the last episode. This is the epic conclusion. Not just of my favorite episode collectively of this show, but also the entire thing. The end to one of the greatest stories ever told. Let's just get into this because there's a lot to talk about here. So I'm going to start off by going into those same four sections that we were talking about with part three. And sort of touch upon how each one of those closes out. Uh, starting, same order, uh, with the Siege of Ba Sing Se. Uh, you get this really, really cool moment with Boomy. Where he just takes out all these Fire Nation tanks. Just throwing rocks inside the little holes on all of them. Getting them stacked on top of one another. It's awesome. It's really, really fantastic. I love that. Uh, But of the really only two major things that happen in this particular plotline, the other is more significant. Iroh standing in front of the palace and burns off the Fire Nation flag so that we see the symbol of the Earth Kingdom on the Earth Kingdom palace once again as it should be. It is... Such a satisfying moment. Like, it closes out Iroh's arc in such a profound way. He started conquering Ba Sing Se. Now, he actually conquers Ba Sing Se in the name of the Earth King. He burns the Fire Nation flag. He has reclaimed Ba Sing Se. It's awesome. It's really, really fantastic. Uh, and that's pretty much all that happens at the Bossing Say siege. After that, it's pretty much over and done with. Uh, we also have Sokka and Toph on the airships. And we get a really amazing conclusion to that whole deal. Uh, Toph and Sokka run across this one airship. The airship fleet is in complete disarray at this point. Run all the way to the back of it. Uh, Toph does that cool thing where she metal bends the rudder to jam it in a turning position. So that it just is stuck turning and rams into the few remaining airships that are left. Which is freaking amazing. Which is absolutely incredible to watch. 
And then, of course, uh, Sokka and Toph are sort of knocked off the airship they're on. Uh, there's this really, really amazing moment where Sokka's trying to trying to lessen their fall by, like, jamming his sword into the airship. That, of course, does not work. So Sokka and Toph just fall all the way to one of the smaller platforms on one of the few remaining airships. And, like, Sokka is laying down on the thing with his leg broken. His leg is fully broken. Holding Toph up with one hand. And they slowly, like, just... Their grip becomes less and less. And there's this really terrifying moment where you think for a split second, Toph and Sokka could very much die. Uh, Two cards show up. Sokka throws Boomerang at one, Space Sword at the other. He loses both of them. So no more Boomerang, no more Space Sword. And then a row of more Fire Nation soldiers just shows up ready to burn them, ready to kill them. They they even, for a split second, resign to their fate themselves. Sokka says, like, it, it looks like this is the end. And then another airship comes crashing in. Sokka and Toph fall off onto this other airship. And there's this amazing exchange of dialogue where Toph says, What? How did that even happen? Did Boomerang come back? No. Suki did. And you see Suki, alive and well, piloting this airship. It is phenomenal. It is so freaking great. It is such... A satisfying moment. We will leave that and go over to uh, this fight between Katara and Azula over Zuko's slowly dying body. And this fight, like, Azula is just fully unhinged in this fight. Like, she's lashing out. She's being incredibly aggressive. And you have almost this, like, horror movie sequence where Katara is, like, hiding behind columns and constantly trying to run away as Azula keeps coming after her again and again and again and again. It's a really, really tense sequence that I absolutely freaking love. And it, it goes up to... This really, really phenomenal resolution. Where Katara finds this, like, grate of water, with water underneath. And finds some chains, and she comes up with this plan. And enacts it so, so brilliantly. Azula comes over, just staggering more and more. By the way, I love the things Azula says as she's coming after Katara. Like, like... 
as Katara's kind of going over to Zuko with her little peeling hands, Azula makes a crack of, I'd much rather our family's physician look after Zuzu, if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, Zuzu, you don't look too good. Katara, Azula calls Katara a little peasant. Like, she is being very venomous and snarky. Like, she's just fully cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs at this moment. <laughs> and Katara makes the badass move of luring Azula to stand atop this grate. Where she brings the water up. And freezes both her and Azula. And I love, like, how their eyes move as they're frozen. Like, they're fully aware of their surroundings. Like, uh, I am frozen. And Azula looks pissed. Azula looks freaking pissed as she's moving her eyes around like, uh, I'm frozen. Like, you see, she was, like, inches away from Katara's face with... Almost lightning. Like, it's really, really close. And then Katara does that thing where she sort of liquefies the ice inside this iceberg she's created. She liquefies it. And then underwater, in the middle of this iceberg, chains Azula to the ground. It's so cool! <laughs> it's probably the most badass thing Katara has ever done. It's awesome. It's really, really fantastic. So she chains up Azula. She recedes this iceberg. And then she finally goes up to Zuko and heals him. Goes to Zuko and heals his lightning wound. Zuko's okay. And there's this really heartwarming exchange of, Thank you, Katara. I think I'm the one who should be thanking you. Like, it's great. It's really, really phenomenal. And then they both go and just take a gander. Just look at Azula. And Azula just is freaking out. Like, she's crying. She's yelling. She's screaming. She's breathing fire. Like, it's... Ah, oh, it's, it's heartbreaking and disturbing and satisfying. Like, I feel so many emotions every time I see Azula's freak out at the end of Sozin's Comet. When she's just writhing around, like, just lashing out. And then eventually, like, realizing she's been beaten, there's no way out of it, this. And then just breaking down crying. Like, she has fully lost control of her situation. There's no more cards to play. There's no clever escape that can be made. She's been beaten. For the first time in this show, for the first time in her life, she's been beaten. And she just can't handle it. And she just becomes this broken woman. Because for the first time ever, things did not go 100% According to plan, she got the exact opposite outcome that she wanted. Like, it's this amazing moment of the breaking of privilege and what that does to her. 
Like, it's amazing. It's really, really fantastic. But of course, all of this, mere background play. It's merely just there so we can see the main event. The conclusion of Aang versus Ozai. Ozai continuing to just shoot fire over and over and over and over and over again at Aang's little earth ball. Aang just like almost cowering. And there's some really epic shots at this moment. I especially love the shot where they pull out and you see fire going in three different directions. Bouncing off of this earth rock thing. It's really, really cool. There are so many frames in this that I could just hang up on my wall as like a painting or whatever. It's so great. But then, of course, the earth ball crumbles and Aang is thrown back onto this rock, which jabs itself into Aang's uh, avatar state wound, into Aang's Azula lightning avatar state wound. And the result of this... He unlocks the Avatar State again. Ozai inadvertently created his own defeat. So then Aang goes into the Avatar State. And I love the reveal that he is indeed in the Avatar State. He just comes up from the rubble. Grabs Ozai's like little beard deal. And then just pushes him back. When Ozai tries to firebend at him again. And what follows is the most badass use of the Avatar State in this entire show. It is amazing to witness. He goes full-blown Avatar State and creates this, like, elemental ball around himself. He's got this ball full of air, fire, earth, water. And he's just flying around in this little orb of elements as Ozai's just running away like a coward. And Aang's just coming after him like, oh, no, 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 no. Firing everything he has at him. Just going nuts. It is incredible. And then, of course, Aang eventually catches up with Ozai. Uh, He restrains him. And then you have that incredible moment. That incredible line. Fire Lord Ozai. You and your forefathers have devastated the balance of this world. Now you shall pay the ultimate price. I need to put an echo on that. I I absolutely 100% need to put an echo on that. And then he creates this... This whip of like all the elements. This... This column of all four elements combined, air, water, earth, and fire, which looks so fantastic. And he just starts to smash that down on Ozai. Ozai looks terrified. But just as he's almost done the job, just as that line of all the elements has almost reached Ozai, Aang comes out of the Avatar state and is like, no. I can't end it. I can't end it this way. There has to be, like, something else I can do. I refuse to kill this man. And then Ozai, for a brief moment, it looks like he's gaining the upper hand. Because he takes advantage of this. 
even with all the power in the world, you are still weak. And then... One of the most mind-blowing moments in this show occurs. Aang restrains Ozai again. And then... Does energy bending. He breaks out energy bending on Ozai. As taught to him by the lion turtle. And I love how they represent it. Both Aang and Ozai's energies. Creating this really like powerful light show. Aang is just completely... Enveloped in blue light. Ozai and orange. And. They represent him. Trying to. Take his bending away. Trying to bend Ozai's energy. By this like. Battle of the orange and blue light. And. Like, it sounds like a really stale, boring image, but it actually creates this magnificent amount of tension. It's actually really engaging to watch. And as the Lion Turtle's narration says, like, to bend one's energy, your own spirit must be unbendable, or you will be corrupted and destroyed. And as he's doing that, the orange is creeping around Aang's body. The orange is creeping up all around him. You think it's going to consume him. Like it almost envelops the entire thing just as Aya's left. And then just this burst of blue light occurs. All the orange recedes away. And it's just this explosion of blue, of really beautiful blue light. This entire energy bending scene is beautiful, by the way, I should say. And then they're both released from the state. Ozai tries to bend, he can't, and Aang says, I took your fire bending away. You can no longer use it to hurt or threaten anyone else. Yes! Oh my god! What? What a perfect climax! Holy crap, that is so awesome! I love that! They have taken, like, the most satisfying route imaginable of just, like, yeah, Aang's not gonna kill, but he took Ozai's bending away! Oh, it's so good! And then Aang does this really amazing, really beautiful thing where he brings all the water up to put out all the fires and then like recedes it back down again to its natural state. It's really, it's a really phenomenal little image to end this devastating fight on. And then of course you get this third act of the final part. You get this third act of the episode. That's just resolution. And they give so many amazing endings for everyone in this show. Uh, you start off with Sokka, Toph, and Suki coming down to meet Aang, and they find out that Ozai had his bending taken away, and they're like, oh, 
Oh crap! <laughs> that was uh, that was something. And then they start making jokes about him. <laughs> they just start making jokes about how Ozai sucks. And meanwhile, Ozai is just there being like, I am the Phoenix King. <laughs> it's so, so satisfying. After so long of Ozai just being this boogeyman, that now he's just been lowered to a laughing stock. It's awesome. It's really, really great. So then, of course, we have this gathering at the Fire Lord's palace. Fire Lord Zuko's now palace. And so much happens leading up to this address that Zuko gives. Uh, May comes back and she and Zuko kiss and have this lovely tender moment followed by may threatening him don't ever break up with me again and it's really really beautiful uh everyone reuniting with the invasion force and you see uh a haru and tyro and you see uh the duke and pipsqueak you see uh the swamp benders you see all the other invasion forces uh the mechanist teo you see all of these invasion people returning coming back and it is really really like it's this subtle background thing but it's incredibly incredibly satisfying that alone is a very powerful image to see the invasion force they're okay they're okay they survived this loss they survived this defeat through to see that their defeat was not in vain, that the Avatar did defeat the Fire Lord, and that this war is finally over. And then, of course, Katara and Sokka reunite with Akoda, reunite with their father, and Akoda talks about how he is the proudest father in the world, and their mother would be proud as well. It's this really, really heartwarming final reunion. And you know... When Sokka and Katara are embracing their father, they will never have to be separated from him again. They will never be forced to live without their father again. This is the final time they have to be reunited after being torn apart by this war. Uh, the Kyoshi Warriors get back in face paint, which is amazing to see. Tai Lee apparently is now a Kyoshi warrior. Which I'm not gonna lie is kind of awesome. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of amazing to it. Is Tai Lee is now a freaking Kyoshi warrior. That's, that's cool and makes total sense in my mind. It, and it's really, really awesome to kind of see her interact with the Kyoshi Warriors and just be the, her own bubbly self in a much more positive environment. Oh, it's so great. It's so, so great to watch. And it's this amazing turnaround from her, for her character from when she initially fought them, when she initially fought these Kyoshi Warriors and did that snide remark of, remember, like, you're not prettier than we are. Like, had this disdain for the Kyoshi Warriors at one point, and now she's like, join them. It's a really, really phenomenal turnaround for her. And I feel like she's kind of blossoming post-Azula. 
Like she's out from under Azula's... From under Azula's foot. And now she can be her own person. Be that optimistic, bubbly person. In this environment more suitable for her. And then of course you see uh, Zuko and Aang in the palace talking about where they were a year ago. Because keep in mind, this take the, the entire events of this show, this is the most mind-blowing thing. The entire events of this show take place in the span of a year. Not even. Like, book one is winter, book two is spring, and book three is summer. And Zuko and Aang have this exchange of dialogue of, I can't believe a year ago my purpose in life was hunting you down. I can't believe a year ago I was still trapped in the iceberg. And they talk about how the world has changed and how the world is going to change. And then they go out and they start to make that change. They come out to thunderous applause. And Zuko gives this incredibly moving speech about how how divided the world has become. And how, with the Avatar's help... We can put it back on the right path and begin a new era of peace. He proclaims officially the war is finally over. And that's it. No more hundred year war. And then Zuko is coronated as Fire Lord. I always have to resist the urge to get up and applaud along with all the other characters. Because it's just like, Zuko deserves this. Zuko deserves this so much. And the whole series has been building to this moment. The war finally ending. Oh, it's so great. It's so freaking awesome. And what does he do? What does he do immediately after being coronated, Fire Lord? Visits Ozai. Shoves his defeat in his face. And asks... Where is my mother? And then they cut it off then. Now this was a fairly controversial decision at the time to never actually tell us where Zuko's mother is. To cut it off before Ozai can say anything. But I think it's brilliant. I think that, that this, this, that's this amazing lingering question. I love it. it. It's actually really, really fan- phenomenal. Like, we don't need the answer to that. Like, I mean, the answer to that would be nice, and they do give it to us in a comic, but we don't need it. It doesn't have to be now. We don't have to have this answer. All we know is his mother's alive, and that's enough. And he's going to find her. That's enough. And then we get our final, final ending. All of our heroes are relaxing in Iroh's tea shop at Ba Sing Se. A now newly freed Ba Sing Se. And they are just sitting around, having a nice time, finally content with their state in life. They're sipping on tea. 
They're having a nice time. Sokka's making a really terrible painting of everyone, which everyone immediately contests. Why'd you give me Momo's ears? Those are your hair loopies. My hair's not that spiky anymore. Like, my hair's not that spiky. I look like a man. Why'd you paint me firebending? I thought it looked more exciting that way. Hey, my belly's not that big. I've really trimmed down. Well, I think you all look perfect, says Toph, which gets his big laugh. And of course, Aang and Katara go outside. They have this nice moment where they embrace and they kiss. Aang and Katara finally acting on their love for one another as we've been begging for this entire show. And then that goes to panning up to the sky, the end. And so concludes... One of the greatest stories ever told. Good God. I love Avatar The Last Airbender. This is one of my favorite shows of all time. It is perfection from beginning to end. It's so freaking fantastic. There are very few episodes that end up being subpar. And even those are inherently watchable. Like, it's just phenomenal. And it tells this brilliant, dynamic story with really fluid, really powerful, really compelling characters. And this climax in Sozin's Comet, it is one of the greatest endings of any show ever. It is one of the greatest finales of any show ever. It's extraordinary. It is a perfect ending that satisfies every single little thread. It answers all the questions we wanted answered and more that we didn't know we wanted answered. Uh, It leaves just enough question marks. It leaves just enough room to explore this world further uh, in comics and in its own sequel series. It's just an extraordinary, extraordinary show. And I'm so glad that I got the chance to go through it on Television Archive. Uh, And I should say, uh, there are comics. So if you want more of this era of the Avatar world... Uh, They are constantly putting out graphic novels. Uh, There are five now. They're working on a sixth. Uh, We got The Promise, uh, The Search, which deals with Zuko's mother, which answers that question. Uh, The Rift. Uh, There's another one that I forget the title of. Hold on. Hold on. I'll find the title. Smoke and Shadow. That's the fourth one. And then North and South. Uh, They're doing Imbalance next, and those kind of bridge the gap between Avatar and Korra. So, if you want more Avatar, that is a great place to look. I'm thinking of maybe talking about those comics in a bonus episode. I'm thinking of maybe doing a Television Archive bonus at some point on those Avatar comics so I can talk about them more. I haven't decided on that yet, firmly. Maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. Do you want it? Let me know. Call in. Let me know if you want me to discuss the comics either in one episode or each in its own. I might do it. I might do it at some point. Who knows? Uh, But that is it for Avatar The Last Airbender. But that's not it for this season of the Television Archive. Because 
we still need to talk about the legend of Korra. We are only halfway through this discussion. We will go into the spinoff series, which, by the way, I'm very excited to talk about the legend of Korra. Like, I... I do not have as strong a memory of Legend of Korra as I do Avatar The Last Airbender because I haven't watched it 17,000 times. Uh, There are moments of that series that have sort of faded into the back of my mind and I only sort of half remember, only sort of half recall. So I'm kind of interested to, instead of with this where I'm just recounting everything that I've remembered before and be like, oh, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that. I'll sort of be rediscovering this for the time. I still remember most of it, but I don't know that as intimately as I do Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, Avatar The Last Airbender, I know it like the back of my hand, and Legend of Korra is like any other show. I'll remember the big stuff, not so much the small stuff. I remember the major plot points, not so much anything else. Uh, if you want to watch along with me, if you have been doing that, uh, unfortunately this isn't streaming anywhere, which sucks, but uh, you can buy it on Amazon, or Google Play, or Vudu, or any of those other places, any of those other VOD platforms, uh, for 30 bucks a season, so maybe you could do that, that's like 120 bucks total, or... Easily the better deal. Uh, you can get the Blu-ray, the complete series Blu-ray for thirty bucks. That's what I did. I didn't own it before. Uh, now I own it. It's uh, it's on my Blu-ray shelf, ready for me to watch through it. So if you want to watch it, I recommend getting the Blu-ray, even if you have a, even if you have a disdain for physical media like a lot of people do. There's no questioning. It's it's the best deal. If you want to watch all of Legend of Korra without spending. A shit ton of money. The Blu-ray is best. I'm also really excited because, like, Legend of Korra is not as consistent as Avatar The Last Airbender. It's definitely... There are definitely seasons that are better than others. By a long shot. But at its best, it's every bit as good as uh, ATLA. At its best, it's every bit as good as that original series. And I'm kind of excited to kind of do this show that isn't, like, utter perfection. Don't get me wrong. I've loved geeking out about Avatar The Last Airbender. But I think Legend of Korra, with its ups and downs, can create for a more interesting, nuanced discussion than we've had with Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun. So, Legend of Korra, starting tomorrow. Get your body's ready for that. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every other every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time. If you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. TomTom4468. And support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or if that doesn't work for you. You can also support this show via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. 
Tomorrow we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 1, Episode 1. Talk to you then.